We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18 today, Matthew chapter 18, so first book of the New Testament, um, about three quarters of the way through uh, the book, and um, so we've been in this series this fall called Defining the Relationships, and we've been looking at how to put Christ first in all of our different relationships in life, and uh, today we're going to do our final message in that series, not looking at a specific relationship today, but rather one last principle that applies to all of our relationships Um, And that is to forgive one another. And so we're going to be looking at forgiveness this morning from Matthew 18, verses 15 through 22. 15 through 22. Now, forgiveness, when I say that word, I know that is an emotionally charged word for many of us, right? Because it brings up all kinds of pain and sin and wrongs that have been done against us and the people associated with those and all these things that we've went through in our lives. Um, But that pain that it brings is precisely why we need to talk about it, and we need to hear what God has to say to us about it as well. And so um, this morning is, before I get into the scripture and into the message, I want you to take just a moment and just pause and just think of one, just one or two people in your life that you still need to forgive for something. One person that you still need to forgive for something like maybe maybe you need to forgive them maybe you need to forgive them again you did at one point and it's kind of come back up and you're feeling it again uh, maybe you need to forgive them more like it needs to go deeper because it's still kind of weak but I want you to try to think of one person if you can't think of anybody maybe ask the Lord right now just say Lord like reveal reveal to me who it is in my life that I still need to forgive let the Holy Spirit speak to you on that and um, how about I, I'll give you a couple scenarios that might maybe help jog some memories. Uh, maybe it's someone that you have distanced yourself from over the years. Maybe it's someone that you feel uncomfortable around now or you try to avoid them because of what's happened in the past. Could be someone that you have relational conflict with and you just keep rehearsing it in your mind over and over and over again. Feelings of anger, bitterness, irritation, fear, gossip, critical spirit towards someone. Those can all be signs of unforgiveness. So who is that person for you? And then the next step is this. I want you, if you're so bold, I want you to write their name, or maybe just their initials if they're sitting next to you, but write it at the top of your paper. Write at the top of your notes here right now. Write down their name, write their initials, write something that signifies who that person is for you. And then as we go through the message today, as we go through the scripture, I want you to focus on how this applies to your relationship with that person. Okay? Keep them in mind as we open God's word together. So, Last week, at the very end, we touched on a verse, Ephesians 4.32, that simply says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Right? And that verse is kind of the springboard from which we want to talk about forgiveness this morning with this kind of main idea. Forgiven people forgive. Right? Forgiven people forgive. It's what we do. Right? That's, that's how we live. That's our life as followers of Jesus Christ. But that sounds great, 
But that's tough, right, out here in these streets. Like, you're trying to deal with these people, and like, man. So how do we actually do this? How can we actually forgive somebody when it's tough? And so for that, I want to go to Matthew 18. And Jesus is going to give us five steps, if you will, to resolve conflict in the means of forgiveness. So let's go ahead and take a look at verse 15. We'll start there. It says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. First thing, verse 15, first step in dealing with conflict and seeking forgiveness is recognition. Recognition. Because he starts off and he says, if your brother sins against you. So that's a very specific criteria, right? The first question we have to ask when there's conflict, is it because of sin? Is this a sin issue? Or is it just an annoyance? Right? Do I just not like the way they do that? Or is it them being insensitive? Or was it even an accident? Because not every conflict is due to sin. Right? Sometimes there's other factors in play. And so first we have to decide, is it a sin? What really happened? Because that dictates how we're going to proceed with this person that we're in conflict with. And so if it was an accident or if it was just annoying, that doesn't require forgiveness. Maybe an apology, but not forgiveness. You understand the difference between an apology and forgiveness, right? An apology is, um, I'm sorry you don't like the way I chew my food. Okay? That's an apology, Right? Like, I'm, I, I didn't sin against you. you just, it's just annoying to you. And so, like, I'm sorry that that's how you feel. Right? Sometimes that's appropriate. When it's in a sin issue, that's not appropriate. We need forgiveness. And forgiveness sounds like, I'm sorry I lied to you. Name the sin. Will you please forgive me? That's different. Right? So the first thing we have to ask is, is it a sin and how do I respond to that? If it is a sin then we have kind of two roads that we can take. We talked about the first one a little bit last week. I'll recover it here. It's called forbearance. So this is the the pre-step, if you will, to forgiveness, right? Forbearance is saying, can can we absorb this sin? Can we absorb the offense of this sin and seek to just cover it in love, right? And forbearance is different than forgiveness because it does not require that the other person be involved at all. I don't have to go talk to them about it. I don't have to bring it up. We don't have to discuss it. I don't have to to address it with them. I just have to say, hey, can I just cover this in love and let it go? Let me give you some verses for forbearance this morning. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. That's the key word there, to overlook an offense. An offense. That's forbearance to say, this was a sin, this was an issue, but I'm just going to overlook it in love and we're going to move on. Okay? Another verse for this is 1 Peter 4 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. There are some sins that I can just cover in love because I have a relationship with that person enough that I know them and I know that this wasn't 
something that's going to be an issue, and so I can just love them enough to let it go. So forbearance is great, but it only works in some instances, right? It works best when either A, it's not really a sin, it's just an offense, and so I'm just going to love them and move on, or it's a sin that wasn't purposeful or malicious, right? They weren't trying to sin against me. It wasn't something they were actively seeking to do. It just kind of happened in the circumstances or by accident. That's a great opportunity for forbearance. Or if it's a sin that is out of character for that person, Right, like you know them, you're in a relationship with them, and this isn't, the, this isn't the way they normally act. They had a bad day, something happened at work, there's something else, they're, whatever they're going through, and they did something that was out of character, and so it's not going to be repeated most likely, it's not going to be a pattern of sin in our relationship, it was just kind of a one-off, so I can forbear that and just cover that in love and move on. So forbearance is great for things like that, but not everything falls in those categories, right? Sometimes... Sin is intentional. Sometimes sin is repetitive in relationships. And when that happens, it requires that we address it and seek forgiveness and reconciliation with that person, not just cover it in love. Let me give you an example. So my wife, Courtney, and I, we have very different relationships with time. Um, for me, time is like this constant measure of awareness where I'm calculating and, and ensuring in my mind that we're going to be here and there and there on time. For Courtney, it's more of a generalized estimate that flexes and bends with her relational priorities, right? And, and obviously, you can imagine this has caused numerous conflicts for us in 20 years of marriage, Right? And to be fair, she's way more punctual now than she was early on, okay? But it still easily frustrates me when we're late. Because, like, that just, it gets me, right? Now, I could do some theological gymnastics here and probably come up with an argument that says that tardiness is a sin. But, if I'm being honest, I've come to understand that when this happens, she's not doing this maliciously, She's not doing this intentionally, right? This, this really isn't so much about sin as it is about an annoyance to me and my schedule and my preferences. And so it calls for forbearance. And so I seek to forbear this as I'm waiting on the couch or as I'm pacing in the kitchen or as I'm revving the engine in the driveway like, I'm trying to forbear and to walk through this. And listen, this, isn't, this is like one thing. She could give you a whole list of things that she has to forbear for me, right? Because this is what you do in marriage. There's going to be all kinds of things. There's just what you do in relationships. There's going to be all kinds of things that rub you the wrong way. They could be sin. They might not be sin. But regardless, sometimes we just have to cover it in love, right? So the first step is to ask yourself, is it a sin? Is it a sin? And even if it is, can I cover it in love? That's the recognition piece. If we decide that it is a sin, then we move on, and we can't forbear it, then we move on to step number two. Going back to verse 15 again, step number two, though, is readiness. Readiness. He says, go and tell him his fault. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, so that, look at this, that you might gain your brother. The goal of conflict mediation, the goal of seeking this and addressing this conflict, 
is always reconciliation. The goal is to gain that relationship back, right? Not revenge, not seeking to like stick it to them or try to write them off. We're seeking to restore the relationship through forgiveness whenever possible. And so that means before I go to him and confront the sin, I have to get my own heart ready to be able to forgive him if he asks for it, right? If my heart's not yet ready to forgive, then I'm not yet ready to confront the sin. Because my goal is forgiveness. My goal is reconciliation. So my heart has to be ready to do that. He says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Which is another indicator that the process should always start in private. Right? If someone sinned against you, the first step is to go to talk to them in private, just the two of you. Right? Not anybody else involved. The reason we oftentimes want to make it public and make a big public scene about it is because we want to win. Right? We want to save face. We want to put them in their place. We want to show that we were right and they were wrong. And we want everybody to see it and know it. And so we make a big public scene about these things. But if our, that is not our goal. Our goal is not to win. Our goal is to seek forgiveness and to restore the relationship. And you don't need an audience for that. And so you go and tell him between you and him to gain your brother. So how do I then, if this is the goal, how do I ready my heart? How do I get myself ready to forgive before I go and talk to them? Well, first and foremost, we have to reflect on why. Why do we forgive? Why should we forgive? And for that, I want to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Very powerful passage. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. If you're a follower of Jesus, we forgive because we have been forgiven. And we forgive them even when they're unworthy, even when they don't deserve it, because Christ forgave us, forgave us when we were unworthy and when we didn't deserve it. This is the very heart of the gospel. That every single one of us, every single human that has ever set foot on planet earth has sinfully rebelled against the God of the universe. We have disobeyed his rules and his laws. We have thumbed our nose at him. We have tried to be God instead of worshiping God. And we are ones who deserve his wrath and his punishment and we deserve hell for our sins. That's all of us. And yet God, out of his love and out of his grace, came down to earth himself in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, and he lived a perfect and sinless life, and then he went to the cross, 
and he sacrificed his own life on the cross. He died for our sins to pay the debt that we owed. In our place, he died and he went into the grave and three days later he rose back to life, proving that he was God and then offering forgiveness. Forgiveness for every sin you've ever committed if you will turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus. That's the stories we heard up here this morning. And in the moment that we put put our faith in Jesus Christ, he forgives us for all of our sins, past, present, future. And we become forgiven by God. We're all sinners in need of forgiveness, and so therefore we should all be willing to give forgiveness to those who sin against us. So first, I have to reflect on why I forgive, because I'm forgiven. Then I also have to get my heart ready to forgive. What's interesting is, despite all of our horrible sin against Jesus, he is always, always ready to forgive us when we repent. Listen to these verses, Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still actively sinning against him, He died for us. While we were still unworthy, while we were still in rebellion, Christ chose to love us and to die for our sins so he would be ready to forgive us. Luke 23, 34, Jesus is actually on the cross, dying on the cross when he says this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right now they're sinning and they don't even understand it. They don't get it. They don't, they don't see it. But one day they will. And when they do, forgive them. When they repent of that sin, he's already ready to forgive. Likewise, we want to be ready to forgive those who sin against us. So we have to get our heart to that place. Think about it. Jesus, the perfect one, the one who sinned, who was worthy, is willing to forgive us and to forgive the person who sinned against us. And so if he's willing to forgive, who are we to withhold forgiveness from them? So first I have to think about why I need to forgive. I need to ready my heart and then release them to God. This might be the hardest part, I think, for us sometimes. We need to realize that as humans, we have no power. We have no position. We have no authority to judge or punish the sin of anyone else. That's not up to us. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. See, the reality is that only God can judge because only he is perfectly just. And so when someone sins against us, we can release that sin to him, that case to him, and trust that he will judge it rightly. Ecclesiastes 12.14 says, For God will bring every deed into judgment. Every deed, every sin, every secret thing, whether good or evil. 
One day, every single one of us will stand accountable before God for our sin. For every sin that we've ever committed. And in that moment, he's going to require a payment for that sin. There's going to be two choices. Either A, you're going to have to pay for it yourself with your life. Or you're going to be able to say, I put my faith in Jesus. He already paid for it. And you're going to be set free. But there will be a day where all the sins will be dealt with. They will be judged. No one's getting away with it. And we can trust that God will handle whatever sin has been done against us. So we don't judge or seek revenge. We ready ourselves to forgive and to trust the Lord. That's step number two. So ask yourself that question. Am I ready to forgive? Before I go and confront this person, before I bring it up, is my heart ready? Am I, got, am I to a place where if they say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, that I can say, yes, I forgive you? Is my heart ready for that? Step number three is repentance. Still in verse 15, he says, go to your brother and tell him his fault, and if he listens to you. So when it says, if he listens to you, it's implying there that he is hearing and he's agreeing and therefore he is repenting of that sin to you in the conversation. But the if there is conditional, right? If he listens, if he repents. So here we see that repentance is always required for biblical forgiveness. Forgiveness cannot exist without repentance, But if he listens, if he repents, then forgiveness can be given. So let's talk about what repentance is, because I think that's a word that maybe some people uh, have heard, but maybe we don't really fully understand at times. Repentance starts with an acknowledgement that sin occurred. That's the biggest stumbling block for most people is, that I can't admit to myself that I actually did that, that I actually sinned, that it was actually wrong. But repentance has to start with an acknowledgement that sin occurred, that it was wrong, that it hurts you, that I owe a debt to you because of that sin that I perpetrated against you. So first I have to acknowledge that sin occurred, and then I have to seek forgiveness for that sin. First from God, because all sin is first and foremost against him, but then also from you. If I sin against you, I have to seek forgiveness from you. That's part of repentance. Seeking to reconcile that relationship. Repentance is not, I'm sorry, but followed by your excuse. That's confession followed by justification. An excuse that says why the sin didn't really count. That's not repentance. Adding an excuse negates the repentance. Let me give you some examples of non-repentance. I'm sorry I hit you, but you were making me really angry. Now it's your fault, not my fault. I'm sorry I lied about where I went last night, but if you weren't so strict, I wouldn't have to sneak around like this. Not repentance. 
I'm sorry you feel that way, but I stand by what I said. Not repentance. Repentance sounds like this. I'm sorry I blank, whatever the sin was. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's repentance. Repentance requires acknowledgement, remorse, and humility. Acknowledgement, yes, I sinned. Remorse, I feel the conviction over what I did. And humility to say that I am in your debt and I'm asking for your mercy. Will you please forgive me? That's the heart of repentance. So the third question, the third step here is to ask, are they repentant, right? I've been sinned against, I go to them, I'm ready to forgive, I tell them the sin, and are they repentant of that sin? So that forgiveness can be given. Are they repentant? And then the fourth step, again, verses 15 and 16, he says, if he listens, you have gained your brother. I said this earlier, that is always the goal. Reconciliation, right? Forgiveness, which includes reconciliation and peace in the relationship. That's the fourth step, reconciliation. In fact, forgiveness is never complete without reconciliation. I think oftentimes we leave forgiveness half done. Because without reconciliation, forgiveness becomes this kind of cheap imitation that's like this inch deep, brush aside, whatever, move on, we're good, I'm okay. But we never really deal with reconciling the relationship. Truth be told, many of us settle for this fake forgiveness because real forgiveness seems too hard and too costly. And maybe we don't even fully understand what we're missing. So I want to take just a moment now to talk about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Because I think we have a lot of misnomers that block us from true and full forgiveness. So let's do forgiveness is not first. Number one, forgiveness is not denying sin occurred or diminishing evil. I think a lot of people think that if, if I forgive, then I'm saying, oh, it wasn't a big deal, or it didn't happen, or don't worry about it. And it's actually the opposite of that. Because forgiveness, for forgiveness to occur, I have to address that the sin did occur. They have to agree that it occurred and then repent of it. Forgiveness is not a brushing aside of sin. It's actually calling sin to the table so that it can be properly dealt with and made right. It doesn't mean that, you'll not, you're, that you're no longer going to feel the pain of that sin. But it just means that you're releasing the pain and the judgment to the Lord and being willing to forgive and move forward. So it's not denying that sin occurred or diminishing evil. Number two, forgiveness is not enabling sin to continue or ignoring crime. We can forgive and still remove ourselves from that person or from that situation if necessary so sin doesn't continue to happen. Right? It also doesn't mean that all the consequences of the sin go away just because we forgive. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't report that sin or report that crime if necessary. You see, forgiveness is not a cover-up for sin. 
to calling out so it can be dealt with and moved past on both sides. Number three, forgiveness is not forgetting. This is probably the most common misconception with forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiving and forgetting are not the same thing. There are some things that will happen in your life that you will never forget. And God doesn't expect you to forget them. But the reason, the the fact that we don't forget them is precisely why we need forgiveness. Forgiveness helps me live in peace despite the memories that remain. Number four, forgiveness is not immediately trusting or engaging again. Forgiveness is my seeking to relinquish anger, relinquish bitterness, relinquish the vengeance that I have against that person. And I can do that without necessarily trusting them again immediately. Because relationships and trust, they take time to rebuild. rebuild. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But forgiveness provides the mercy and the grace that is needed so that trust can start to rebuild. If we can't ever get to that place, then there's no place for trust to build on. Forgiveness lays that foundation. And then lastly, number five, forgiveness is not a one-and-done event. Because we're human, because we hurt, because we remember things, because we question things, because we play things back in our mind, there's always a chance for forgiveness to creep back in to our hearts. And when it does, we have to return to that choice that we're going to forgive that person and check our heart posture again and seek the process. And sometimes that takes a long time of forgiving again and again in my heart. Not that they sinned again, but like just the same sin, like continuing to forgive it over and over again in my heart and keep myself in that place. And we're not going to do it perfect every time, and it's not going to happen overnight, but as long as we're pursuing it, then God's good with that. So that's what forgiveness is not. So on the flip side, let's talk about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a commitment to grace. It's a commitment to show grace to that person in three specific ways. First of all, it's a commitment that I will not hold this sin against you. Right? That I'm going to forgive. That once repentance and forgiveness are given, and that transaction is done, then the matter is over. It's in the past. I will not dwell on it. I will not bring it back up again. I will not use it against you as a punishment. Once I forgive, I will not hold that sin against you. That's a commitment of forgiveness. Number two, forgiveness is a commitment that I will not talk to others about it. I will not gossip, I will not slander, I will not malign you with what you've done because you are forgiven. Your record is clean. Lastly, forgiveness is a commitment that I will not talk to myself about it. Sometimes this is the hardest one. I will not rehearse the sin over and over in my mind. I will not allow those episodes to continue to stream in my brain. 
Paul Tripp, Christian speaker and, and pastor, he says that we are, we are all our own biggest counselors. Or oftentimes I've said it like this, no one preaches to us more than we preach to ourselves. The voice that you hear the most is your own, in your head, telling you what to think and what to feel and how to act. And part of forgiveness is telling yourself, I'm not going to continue to go there. I'm not going to continue to revisit and rehearse this sin with this person in my mind. I'm going to release it and forgive. So Jesus tells us here to gain our brother by forgiving. But then look at verse 16. He says, do this, go to him, tell him his fault. If he agrees, forgive him. But if he does not listen, what if you, what if you go and you, you talk to them and you try to have the conversation, you try to, to seek forgiveness with them and they won't hear it? They don't agree, they won't listen, they won't. Our gut would be, well then fine, walk away, right? Ghost them, write it off, like forget you. If you don't want to, then I'm out. Is that what Jesus says? No. He gives us two more steps to take to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. It's as if he's saying, hey, keep going. If it doesn't work the first time, keep going. Don't quit. Forgiveness is worth it. Forgiveness and reconciliation are valuable to Jesus. They're worth fighting for. And so they should be valuable to us as well. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says this, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of of reconciliation. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is your calling. This is your mission from God, that we are called to reconcile others to God and to ourselves through the power of the gospel. I think sometimes we get in the false thinking that forgiveness is optional for us. Like, I can choose whether or not I want to forgive this person depending on how bad I think the sin was. If you're a follower of Jesus, forgiveness is not optional. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been commanded by our Savior and our King to seek forgiveness and reconciliation in every relationship. And that sounds really hard and scary and maybe insensitive for some of you. But I think it's really well well illustrated by this story from Corey Teen Boom's book. If you don't know her, she was a Christian who, her and her family smuggled Jews out of Germany during the Holocaust. But they were eventually caught, and her and her whole family were put into a concentration camp. She was the only one in her family who made it out alive. And then she writes in her book, in this encounter that she had after her release from the concentration camp, and here's what she says. It was in a church in Munich where I was speaking in 1947, that I saw him. 
a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat and a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform, a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrook, the concentration camp where we were sent. Now, he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein, how good it is to know that as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. He went on, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said, I was a guard there. But since that time, I have become a Christian, and I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, with an outstretched hand, he said, Fräulein, will you forgive me? She said, as I stood there, I could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed as hours, as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. So woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into his outstretched one to me, And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. You see, friends, only through true forgiveness of God can we, in turn, forgive others who sin against us. And as we forgive them, no matter how difficult it is, as we forgive them, we get to experience more fully the love and the forgiveness of God for ourselves. And so this question here is, am I pursuing forgiveness? Am I pursuing forgiveness and reconciliation in whatever relationship it was that you wrote down earlier, or maybe the one that you didn't write down because you couldn't bring yourself to do it? Those are the four steps that Jesus lays out here for forgiveness and reconciliation. But there's kind of a fifth step that comes through Peter's question down in verse 21. Skip down there for just a second. Verse 21 says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. The last step is restoration. Now, Peter's question here is one that I think is one that we all have struggled with. Like, how many times do I have to forgive someone when they sin against me? 
And the background here is that during this time period, the Jewish rabbis said three times. If someone sins against you, you forgive them. They sin again, you forgive. They sin again, you forgive. After the third one, done. They've had enough, we're out. Okay? And so Peter here, he's going for a flex. And he's like, how about, Jesus, how about seven times? Like I'll more than double what they say, right? And Jesus is like, Peter, again, really? He's like, how about 77 times? Or some translations say, 70 times 7. And you see what Jesus is doing here, he's not actually trying to give us a specific number of times that we should forgive. He's not like, hey, count to 490, and then be like, hey, on the 491th time, nope, sorry, you're done. Okay? Nobody's keeping track of that. What he's saying is we should forgive without counting. We should forgive without limit. Because again, that's how God forgives us. Now, before you start dogging on Peter for this question, again, let's just be honest with ourselves for a moment. Like, we've all thought this. We've all felt this. Like, I'll forgive you this time, but if you do it again, like, I'm done. Right? How many times do I have to forgive this person? Where's the limit? When do they reach their forgiveness quota? We feel this because sometimes those people, those situations are the hardest ones to forgive. Because we're like, really? Again? But friends, the reality is this. Forgiveness is never a one-time thing. It's just not. Forgiveness is never a one-time thing with anyone. Because even after forgiveness, we're all still sinners. And that means we will sin again. And forgiveness will be necessary again. That goes not just for the other person, it goes for you as well. And so let me say this, there are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. Your family, your friends, your marriage, your business partners, your parents, none of those relationships will last. None of those will endure if you're not willing and able to forgive. Forgiveness without limit. Now, as I said earlier, forgiveness doesn't mean that the relationship is automatically restored immediately or that trust is rebuilt immediately. That takes time. But restoration is the goal. It is what we're going for, and it starts with forgiveness. And then we restore the relationship, and then they sin against us, and we forgive again, and we restore again, and they sin against us again, and we forgive and we restore. That's what it takes. That's what Peter's asking. there are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. And by the way, that includes us and God as well. Right? The moment we repent of our sin and we put our faith in Jesus, God forgives us of all of our sin, past, present, future. But because we're humans and because we're sinners, we're going to sin again and again and again. And every time we sin and every time we repent, God is able and willing to forgive us the moment we repent. And he'll do it over and over, and he'll restore the relationship. And if you're a follower of Jesus, every time you sin again, you don't lose your salvation. It doesn't break that. You don't have to earn it back. 
but it does break the relationship with God, and it needs to be restored through repentance and forgiveness. And he does it for us over and over again, every time, without limit. This is why we can do the same for one another. Because of God's enduring forgiveness in us and through us. So the last question is simply that, am I forgiving without limit? Like, Mike, I've already, I've already forgiven them so many times. I, I'm, just, I'm just done. Am I forgiving without limit? That's what Jesus calls us to. Because forgiven people forgive. It's what we do. Right? And so I want to take just a moment. Let's just, as we close today, everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to just take a moment with the Lord. Not with me, not with your neighbor. This isn't for anybody else. This is between you and God for a moment here. I want you to just listen. You don't even have to talk. You don't even have to talk to God. Just listen. I want you to think back to that person that you wrote down at the beginning of the sermon. Or if you didn't write anyone down, ask God again, Lord, who do I need to forgive? And then just pause and just listen and see what God says to you in this moment. Also this morning, if you have never yet repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus for salvation, would you do that today? He stands ready to forgive you for all of your sin. The moment you repent, he loves you. He wants to reconcile with you, to have a relationship with you right here, right now. You just need to repent of your sins and seek him and ask him to save you. He will do it promise you. If you haven't done that yet, don't miss this opportunity today to receive God's forgiveness without limits. Stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this wonderful service today, getting to celebrate with these who have put their faith in you. God, we praise you this morning that you are a God who forgives. When we could do nothing else, when we could not earn your forgiveness in any way, Lord, you came down and you did it all. You came to us, you died for us, you rose from death, and you offer us a chance to be forever forgiven and saved and with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us for helping us to forgive others. And God, I do pray that if there's anyone here today who still needs your forgiveness, Lord, open their eyes. Open their eyes to their own sin. Call their hearts to you to repent and believe. Lord, touch their hearts today. Lord, change their lives as they repent and turn to you. Jesus, we find our forgiveness. We find our salvation. We find all of our hope in you and in you alone. Pray all this in Christ's name.